Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, um, Mr. Ambassador. Um, it gives me great pleasure to introduce Antanas Mokus. By the way, my name is Julio Davila. I teach at University College London. Um, but Antanas, in many ways, uh, needs no introduction. I think you know the, the size of the group here at, uh, is a witness to that. He's well known for his originality, uh, to say the least, and innovation in public life. But perhaps even better known for placing ethics and respect both for human life and for public resources at the center of his political philosophy. Um, and that's why he's, you could say, a philosopher superstar. Um, Antanas has been mayor of Bogota twice, elected not in consecutive periods, because you're not allowed to do that in Colombia. He is a former rector or, or vice chancellor of the University of, of Colombia, National University of Colombia, which is the largest uh, public institution of higher education in the country. Uh, he's been a professor in the Faculty of Sciences there since 1975. He's also been a visiting professor in Harvard um, and holds a BA in Mathematics from Université de Bourgogne and an MA degree in Philosophy from the National University in Colombia. But he probably sort of is best known outside the country for his uh, role as a, as a mayor uh, in Bogota, very successful role, uh, where he really uh, introduced enormous innovations, particularly in relation to the way people relate to each other on a, on a personal and a human level. But also, more recently, as co-founder of the Green Party in Colombia, uh, with two other former mayors uh, of the city, um, and a mayor of Medellin, and where last year in the presidential election he was the second, he came second, uh, very close to being uh, president of the country. But he continues as a good academic that he is to research the issues of respect for each other and more specifically the issue of coexistence. And as he puts it, the relationship between the law, morality and culture. And it's very fitting that he is talking to us today uh, in terms of uh, the, the title of his lecture is Trust and Education, A Way Out of Corruption. Uh, the Colombian press has been, uh, those of you who can have access to it and can read it, uh, Revista Semana last week had a feature on, on corruption in, in public life and particularly uh, infrastructure contracts. Uh, and there's some mention of that in last week's issue of The Economist, particularly to do with, with Bogota. Um, but also, to some extent, you know, the, the issues that have engulfed the higher education system in this country are not completely free of that, and, and maybe that will be uh, discussed later. But anyway, without further ado, I'm really glad that I'm introducing Antanas. So welcome, Antanas. Thank you very much, Julio. Many years ago, I visited with Julio the momia, the, the mummy of Jeremias Bentham. 
here in London. And it's the more, the most Colombian place in London. Because close to Jeremias Bentham, Mommy, there are documents, a letter from Bentham to Simon Bolivar explaining what kind of questions should be in the penal code, what kind of questions should be in the Constitution. We were a country very impacted by Bentham's theories. When liberals won civil wars, Bentham was taught. And when conservatives win elections or win civil wars, Bentham was forbidden. So we are a receptive country for theories. Sometimes perhaps we take them too much seriously, but today I'm going to speak that sometimes we do not take it sufficiently seriously. Okay. Um, Basil Bersen was a professor in London University. He changed a lot my way of looking to life and to society. He taught us to see links and regulation, not isolated individuals, but the net, the human net. And well, he passed away, so I cannot have him here. It would be a very big pleasure. I learned to see links. Okay. What do you think about this question? What kind of teacher would prefer a corrupt man for his son or daughter? A tricky one or a trusting one? Or in a tutor or a counselor? John Elster, who is one of the, my biggest heroes, is Norwegian. He teaches at Collège de France at Columbia. He writes a lot. He finishes his inaugural lesson in Paris, in the Collège de France, with these words. The tutor teaches the prince to promote the public good, the good in the long term. The counselor tells him how to act in order to achieve his goals, whatever they may be, in the most efficient way. It is not incumbent upon the counselor to impose the demands of reason, but if the tutor has done his job well, the prince will make them his own. So in the universities, you have both tutor and counselors. The tutor tells how to promote the public good in the long term. Do you believe that half or more of Colombian employees, of Colombian government employees, of local <coughs> state employees in Colombia, do you think that more than a half of them are corrupted? <laughs> Please raise the, the hand those who believe that more than a half are corrupted. And Colombian citizens are m more than a half corrupted? <laughs> well, there was some social control. <laughs> okay, we have asked these questions in eight cities in Latin America. 
from Belo Horizonte to Quito. And the answer is this. Only in Belo Horizonte, it's less than a half of the people thinking badly about functionaries. If this was true, our governments and our society would collapse in a week. Five or 10% of corrupted public officers would be very difficult to manage. So I think the reality has to be a lot different. And this is about the other citizens. And there you see Belo Horizonte now different and Medellin a little bit different. Medellin has a good self-esteem. <laughs> 20 years ago, to find a Bogotano speaking well about Bogota was as difficult to fi as finding a, a Paisa speaking badly of Antioquia. But now I have to recognize that in this study of eight cities, the city that has progressed the most in Cultura Ciudadana, in the respect of law and the interiorization of law, is Medellin, clearly. Bogota had advanced and has got back. Okay, so one of the big problems is if you have much cor corruption, you have mistrust. If you have mistrust, you have corruption. If you think that other people are mainly corrupted, you do not feel too much compelled to abstain. So it's a problem. There are several kinds of trust. You can trust in the morality of a person, but you can say as a, as a med medical doctor, he is not uh, trusting. Trust, trusty word. Sorry about my English. It's you can trust organizations. When you take a plane, you do not look if the, the pilot has uh, bread with alcohol. <laughs> you, you trust the company and the national government that has an agency for controlling air companies. Uh, you can trust an organization for being law obedient and well trust is very slow to build and very easy to destroy. And there is trust in procedures because the procedure is impersonal for example or sometimes because it is based on a tradition. It's a coordination equilibrium for example in the cars going on the right side of the road or on the left. And uh, well, sometimes, as is the case in the last example, it offers what is called a focal point. We do not change easily national frontiers because they are so arbitrary that if anyone begins to change his national frontiers, a lot of people would suffer a lot of wars. We, we discovered this while at government. We make a study, some people continue to see some uh, departments of the city as corrupted. So in the next survey and interview, we asked why do you see this as corrupted? And it was bad service and too high tariffs. T 
tariffs that people perceive it as unjust. So we call it the vengeance of the citizen. The citizen is not happy with the way we interact with him, and he, half of the citizens have this kind of reasons. This was very helpful for having uh, more efforts done for better attention to, to, to citizens. From the beginning of our independent life, there is a study by the National Museum and the National University, a comparative study with Ecuador. The adjectives aggressively used in Ecuador after independence were politically or ideologically tainted or geographically tainted. In Colombia, we were accusing one the other of uh, being a stealer and ladron. Who do citizens trust? We, we make very simple uh, surveys in Corpo Visionarios, but one of the impressive things is this one. Politicians are <laughs> not very popular, and teachers are very popular. <laughs> so I understand better why I'm so reluctant to put in the paper in the hotel politician. <laughs> so sometimes I ask a second piece of paper. <laughs> okay, but it's tragic. The public functionaries and the Congress and the unions and the judiciary and religious even organizations, non-Catholic religious leaders, with judges, and the three most trusted are church, army, and teachers. It changes from one city to another a little bit. This is Mexico, the F. It's the, of, of the eight cities that we studied, it's the worst one in terms of trust. This is Bogota. And this is Belo Horizonte, a little better than Horizonte. In Belo Horizonte, the judges are three times more trusty worth than in Mexico. This is La Paz. It's worse for the army. It's better for the church. And La Paz is one of, of there are not much cases where the teacher is not the most trusted. This is the average. Okay, this repeats in 13 more Colombian cities. Okay, well that's so first part, very happy because there is trust in teachers. The second part is, are you happy with the education you receive? And very different people say, yes, yes, yes. And then the koshmar begins. Because you have trustful relations, and you have too, too much satisfaction. International comparisons show difficulties. International experience, Colombian undergraduates are well-performant in many cases, but there is a selection, of obviously, 
of the best ones by the university system and by the families having the money to send the, the people. But the big difference is undergraduates in Colombia, undergraduate at 23, 24. So it's one or two years uh, later. Who, to, to accelerate this has been very costly in the university programs because we have five years undergraduate program. Okay. So the initial qu question is this. I, I want to speak a little bit about the green wave because the green wave is the most strange solution to all these problems. So I will skip some of the diapositives. Well, in a schematic way, I have been involved in four very different processes. And uh, sometimes being completely convinced that I abandon the, the pedagogical problem. From 82 to 2002, in Colombia took place uh, by the initiative of the National Teachers Union, but with the help of universities and small groups of pedagogical reflection or study, there was a movement of the teachers trying to recuperate their profession. I was strongly involved because I have studied some initiatives in United States, in Korea, and in Colombia about using very uh, clear-cut <coughs> ideas coming from Taylor, Frederick Winslow Taylor, the founder of the scientific management. So Taylorization of education was the big idea. It was make an industry. Why do we work with artisanal ways? Why university practices change so little? and not only universities, but school. So the great idea was teacher-proof curricula. If you design very well the process, you ask the teacher, just follow instructions. If you do not understand, it doesn't matter. You will understand <laughs> after the youngsters. And no one strike, FECODE, the, the Federation of Unions, was very strong, but we agreed on one very interesting detail. We will de debate in all the country about the reform, but we will not strike. We will do not stop the educational process. And, and it, it, it was done. We won. Uh, my idea of teachers' autonomy was perhaps exaggerated, modeled by the experience as university professor. But uh, the union and the government arranged on a autonomia of teachers' groups, of schools. So we have now the diversification of curricula that, that is similar to the United States. But at the beginning of the film, there was the same education for all the people the same day of the, the same week. I exaggerate a little bit, but. Uh, okay, so, uh, well, I had also worked impeding Colombian government 
by public debate to uh, buy a nuclear reactor. Well, it, it, it's not an uh, opportunistic reference, <laughs> but uh, we stopped that. So at 42, I had been uh, efficient in stopping about three or four things. One of the biggest was the educational reform. And a rector of the university said to me, you, you are so good in destruction, why do you do not try to construct? And the Ola Verde, in some sense, means to me basically that. It's why, if you are a youngster, why you think first in destroying? Please think first in building. I think that there is important people who do maintenance or something <laughs> that have to, to look, that have to, if you read up, as, well, that was my experience, reading a, a student's work, the orthograph Spelling. mistakes. Spelling. 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 The, yeah. the, so I had to train myself to look first with yellow, the good ideas. <laughs> Say something about the good ideas and then look a little bit to the spelling problems. <laughs> In my curricula, it's clear I have not a PhD degree. When I was designed by the national president Gaviria as the rector of the national university, I had koshmars. I was saying, they want to destroy national university. They give me the the power to produce crisis, crisis. <laughs> and uh, the main student leader was asking a uh, rendezvous with me, asking, why do you think you are nominated in that place? Well, for many years, I had worked in pedagogy, and then I had the chance to change a little bit university practice. For example, instead of a term of 15 weeks, 14 weeks. It's very simple. You write on a piece of paper, you have a meeting, and you change. And professors get almost in revolution because of the week less. Then we make a study and we show professors that the first week is not an effective week. People present uh, names. People. Uh, receive from the teacher uh, the bibliography, uh, the rules. Why do not use the first? So it is easier to reform 94 programs on the paper than change just the experience of one week. Culture is very uh, firm. It's not easy to, to change it. As philosopher, I'm very happy each time Culture does not allow it to change. Culture is not butter. It's not plastiline. Plasticine. 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 <laughs> Fortunately, because if not, we would be shaped and reshaped, and all the mar merchandising uh, professions would do with us at their will. So, 
we built a sort of simplified view of education. Those who work in education are pedagogically linked with a tradition. Socrates, Greeks. We could reconstruct our genealogy. Nobody comes himself sick of academical culture. He has to, to have contact. It's like AIDS. But you require a little bit longer contact. <laughs> so, so we began to import PhDs. At the beginning, when I was rector, there was five or six percent of Colombia's national university with PhD degree. Now it's about 30. It has changed very quickly. Okay, so, and the idea of intensive pedagogy is why in Colombia most teachers, we do feel the necessity to say the same idea two times. It's extensive pedagogy, you call it. No, nothing to do with cause. And Cultura Ciudadana, it was the work in, 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 in the city. So as mayor and as rector, I had to try to change culture. And this is the first time I present publicly an uh, interpretation of the green wave with two or three photographs, but not in colors. <laughs> Academic tradition. Well, there is no academy without rational discussion. Well, the Habermas idea, you have pretensions of validity. I can say uh, I have doubt, doubts. And sometimes we continue the discussion. Sometimes we say, if you have doubts, I will not speak with you. But that's not very academical. When you have rational discussion with r the possibility of writing, you can have a sort of deterioration <laughs> of, of, of the discussion. You text circulate people that do not live together uh, can have a more objective relationship with what they think when, well, it's the experience when you write an essay and two or three days you read yourself as a sort of stranger of yourselves. You have the possibility of seeing those, the same ideas from another point of view. In just in speech, it's very easy to attack at the same time the ideas and the person. When you write, you distinguish, well, I'm perhaps a sinner. Well, really, I'm a sinner. But, and I'm ashamed of not being sufficiently ashamed of telling you that I'm a sinner. <laughs> but um, uh, that does not contaminate, I expect, the validity of some of my thesis. So please attack the ideas, the text, not the characteristic of sinner. So you can discuss for writing or read and write 
for discuss. And you can have a reflexive relationship with action. At the entries of the universities, if I was rector today, I would put action postponed. This is a very strange process of distancing people from practices, for teaching them to justify rationally every step, every decision. If you have a medical doctor, you do not just cut. You have to say why you cut, in what direction, with what bisturi. So you have an action over action, and that, well, um, a scientific experiment is organize an action to feed a rational discussion. And if you have rational discussions taking place, as for example in Galileo, Galileo can say, ah, for this discussion, let me do an experiment especially effective in the point of that discussion. And the design idea, the planning, the precise planning of future is possibilitated and has a big power thanks to graphic rep representation. Well, I had worked my thesis, my master thesis about Descartes. And Descartes is very, well, half of the problem is a good graphic representation. Half of the solution is that representation. And a good solution is when you grasp from one moment in one image uh, the problem and in one image in one direct in intuition, the solution. Some deformations of academic tradition. Well, many people say that illegality needs a sort of silence law. Do you call it in that way? It's, if you saw that someone was robbing, keep quiet. But also, illegality needs justifications. And my thesis is that Colombian bad quality education has had the strange power of make justifications of illegality to grow. Uh, well, I put an, an example. Engineers, please make groups. One is uh, um, uh, entrepreneur, one the other is public uh, servant. The third is an, 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 a client, a, a common citizen. And now please write arguments pro-corruption and anti-corruption. At the end of, of the workshop, there were the double number of justifications of illegality than of legality. Well, people have conflicts and they have to defend their option for illegality more than those who defend option for legality. Well, the second is linked to my biographical first, a lot of destruction. Well, peaceful, not, I was and I am coward, so I do not like violence. Basil Bernstein, once I was very euphoric saying physical violence not in any way and he said I understand you very well you are a specialist in symbolic violence <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And the national university students understood. For, for example, I, I said I do not accept meetings with uh, participants. Who did? With Who did? Who did? Who did? Who did? Who did? And uh, they take me a cabra, an animal. <laughs> Diego Gambetta works in Oxford. He has written, he has written a lot of, well, a lot, some, some essays, some good essays about mediocrity in Italian universities. For example, it's justified to disobey the law when it's the only way to help your family? Or it's the only way to defend proprieties and goods? Or respond to an offense to your honor? 25 to 42% use easily this kind of justification. And there are well, the classic ones are, are uh, in the middle. When there are strong possibilities that there will be no punishment, impunity, and uh, economical be benefits. People are about two or three times more prone to use illegality to defend themselves than to get benefits. So, well, the self-defense idea in Colombia is Justicia por mano propia is another version. Okay, so if you have bad quality in education, you have proliferation of justifying. Myself, I look sometimes, once during the pedagogical movement, a teacher waited me at, when I was getting out, and he said, Antanas, do you believe exactly, exactly all the things you say? <laughs> And for one month, I couldn't speak. <laughs> so, there are societies when you call the people to competition, to free market economies. But if you have had a bad quality education, you have no clear interiorization of boundaries. You, you can choose to go a little bit out of, of the boundaries and then use as a, a double effect and anesthesia. You silence your guilt and you silence your shame. Sometimes in Colombian con Congress people laugh saying, lo cogieron, you, you were caught. Well, in these days, a private sector entrepreneur said that, that it was part of the human, corruption was part of human nature. It's beautiful because the, the, the etymology of corruption implies some agent. Well, it's an, uh, well, okay. Cultura Ciudadana, well, when, when I was invited to participate in the elections, I was obsessed by the idea of culture being the cause of all things. For example, engineers said to me, sometimes the road gets bad in bad condition because 
there is some object that perforates the impermeabilization. So a truck goes and small pieces uh, of stone, then another truck comes over and you, you have a, well, a, a small perforation. Well, I invited examples, very, uh, but many things were well understood under the, the culture approach. For example, the use of violence. So people see or understand that part of the violence can be fought by, well, shaming is too, too, too hard, but making people feel a little bit guilt. Well, sometimes I do exercise myself with myself, uh, and I have a so strong root in, in Catholic tradition. I was almost priest. I had a scholarship to Rome, and I ask a lot of times about hosties, and people are serious asking me if I am uh, creyente. Believer. But, uh, so, well, the idea is very simple. Any citizens can help other citizens to get better. I suffered it in France while studying about two years in Dijon and in Paris. People were very ironic. They used language as a weapon. One day, I didn't flush the VC in the university. And an employee came and said to me, hey, guy, in your country, perhaps you can do this, but here not. <laughs> that night, I was crying <laughs> all the night because I had put a quota of bad reputation on Colombia. <laughs> but more than that, because I asked myself how many years will have to pass for a Colombian employee taking a university student to say, you cannot leave that water closet in that state. So any inhabitant can help to build coexistence. Public servants can build also the respect of, of, of rules, but we used also some extraordinary agents, the mimes. In the press re review, in the press conference before the mimes were enacted, a journalist said the mimes would control the traffic in some streets of Bogota in the center without putting fines. I said, of course, legally I cannot give the power to put fines to mimes. <laughs> the journalist said, it will not work. And that, that's one of the most beautiful moments in my life, because I knew we could change things without centering them in fines. We made also a, a woman's night 
it was a curfew for men, but a curfew for men is unconstitutional. <laughs> so it was an invitation. And those men who were conscious object, objectors or who have to work that night could write themselves permission. <laughs> so the self-free permit is an exquisite legal creation. And for three or four weeks, we prepared the night without knowing what would be the legal solution. And the, the, the police women were controlling, and some men were ag aggressed a little bit by women saying, you can be in this concert, but please, in the last rows. Okay. To some extent, I try to understand how I played with my in, in, investiture. Once I saw a film about Pinochet that was made with a tricky arrangement, and I, well, many I have many times say, it's so easy to kill me symbolically that it would be inefficient to put bullets on me. Uh, Today you can make records, you can make uh, edition, and these last years there is some work in, in filmmaking, in documentaries, and you are in the hands of the authors of the documentary. A philosopher, a friend of mine said, Antanas, pay attention with what they are doing with your memory. So perhaps all these things happen and at the end there are two or three documentaries. Driving fear, well, I loved a lot Bogota from the beginning, but for me it, it was clear an ugly city. And you do not choose your mother, you do not choose <laughs> the city where you, where you live. But we invented the idea of Bogota fictitious. We all know man or woman that are very attractive because of their way of behaving. If you cannot change infrastructure, hardware, change software. <laughs> Bogota changed first software, clearly, clearly. And Enrique Peñalosa, my successor and antecessor, Enrique Peñalosa helped a lot to stabilize the change and to get uh, complementarity with a lot of changes in public space. Well, I was, any building can be good for a mess, but in a beautiful cathedral, some part of the experience is enhanced. But you have not to depend on infrastructure pro progress. It's, it's better to have it. But, okay. Some changes at the behavioral level, homicide rate reduction with Peñalosa period from 70 to 23 in three terms, nine years. Well, in Japan, homicide rate is 0 0,6 per 100,000. In Europe, it's about four or five. In Colombia, in this moment, it's about 32. But in 1993, Bogota had 80 homicides per 100,000 inhabitants. Well, in Colombia, 
approximately for one suicide, you have 10 homicides. You have to protect Colombians from other Colombians. In Japan, for one homicide, there are 10 suicides. And you have to protect the Japan from himself. <laughs> and from the shame feelings that sometimes make people kill themselves. So I put this example for understanding how much depends on culture. Death rate by traffic accidents was also reduced, aggressive behavior in general, and the patronage. One of the cultural more, deeps, more deep rules is reciprocity. If you are gentle with me, I am gentle with you. If you are aggressive with me, I am aggressive to you. Pay with the same money. The, the patronage systematize that in an inequality system, and people do vote, for example, for a leader because he helped to have a place in a school to the children of the person about which I'm speaking. Uh, we had a local police of traffic. Uh, many Colombians have false permits for, 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 for driving. And it was not a small group, but in that case, it was a very corrupted group. So we had about 2,300 police, local, local police officers invited to get out. <laughs> and we were kind with the reputation. We do not make a, a, a great exaggeration, or, but a lot of people, especially those who drive cars, knew that that was the corruption experience the most standard. So obviously not all is culture. You have to use laws, and we used law instruments to have a very big improvement in local traffic police. Every year, 200 youngsters were burned with fireworks. We had a water scarcity situation, and we worked on manage. We managed to do not interrupt the water supply, but people saving, like they do in California or in Australia. The model was. As you are very uh, un, not disciplined, uh, I cut the, the water. So I promised, I committed myself to do not cut, and uh, people saved water. There is a beautiful expression in Spanish, impuestos voluntarios. It's an oxymoron. Is that uh, contradictory? Well, I was elected two times promising more uh, taxes. This time it didn't work. <laughs> I thought I had the trick. <laughs> and we also appreciated a lot external val validation by financial system also, but by service, by studies. One of the best books about Bogota progress was published by Georgetown University with Javeriana. Well, 
An another result is continuity, reduction of homicide rate, better services for citizens, public space, sidewalks. At the beginning, I was amazed. Uh, road in very bad situation and a luxurious uh, sidewalk. And suddenly I understood. In my first term, I knew that $300 million was getting well the roads. $300 million was the price of having good sidewalks. So I said, let's do a little bit of sidewalks. <laughs> so many roads were made without sidewalk. Avenidas Americas is looking from a helicopter, a very beautiful park. But if you try to walk through it, the, the, in, during the building, it was not leveled. Okay. Parks, libraries, and schools. What's citizenship culture or citizens' culture? Cultural regulation of interactions between strangers and between state officials. Now I have a little bit different perception, but at the beginning I said, at work people manage their behavior. In, in the families, yes. But perhaps I was, as divorced man, I had no authority to teach about how should families work well. well Adriana is fascinated, but uh, she has well, to take a lot of effort to tolerate my arbitrary. <laughs> Another definition of cultura ciudadana is basic set of shared rules to take advantage of the cultural and moral diversity of the city. And the objectives in the first government plan were written in, stated as more voluntary compliance with norms, with the idea. Hart, a British philosopher in, in right, in, in legal studies, the concept of law, he works a lot about the idea of two different ways of obey to law because you have the law inside you, and you do not feel well if you do not comply. And you have the other relationship, the external point of view, where you manage the, the fines, you manage the risk of being caught. But the law is external. So voluntary compliance with norms. Citizens peacefully correcting one the other, but peacefully to take the other to comply with norms. Peaceful solution of conflicts and communication. We made courses with police members in elite universities and what the policemen liked the most was the hours working about communication and creativity. So law, enforce, law enforcement is perhaps understandable, a little bit different after the experience of Bogota. Sometimes a mime can do. Well, trust also works. As a, a small stealer took my, my watch, I said, Cubo Mano. And he 
abandon it completely and he got back from the bus. I do not think it works al always, but. <laughs> okay, a little bit about the, the underlying concepts. Behavior has very big complexity. So this is a very strong simplification. You have motivations and you have regulations. If we had not regulations, well, I would say someone has music here and we could change in two or three minutes the sense of being together here. It's better perhaps to dance. Uh, or uh, I could say someone would like to read a poem. So you have to put rules on yourself and you have to have social rules for having agen common agendas and common action. Uh, there are of different kinds. Economists work a lot about interests. Philosophers, we work about reasons. And psychologists and social psychologists and today economists work a lot on emotions. Behavioral economics is a marvelous thing that we had not in those years present. We, we knew about that approach later. But uh, can I ask you, do you obey more interests, reasons, or, uh, or emotions? I know it's a very broad question. Can I ask you to raise your hand? Who obeys the most to interests? One, two, three. You are I'm falsifying my own theory. <laughs> I said in Anglo-Saxon countries, 15, 20% of people raise their hands. So you are a little bit atypical. <laughs> Do not accept easily interests. English philosophers have worked a lot to, for saying people, interest is not so bad. <coughs> Who obeys the most to reasons? And to emotions? <laughs> a little bit more emotions, no? Okay. If you had said reasons, I would say that's the reason why you have a philosopher speaking to you. And <laughs> okay, but in Colombia, even in, in Congress of uh, in Transporte Interurbano, uh, Colombian buses systems are rather artisanal. And when you meet with the Confederation of the of, of the transport be between cities, you ask them and they obey to reasons. We have a Spanish route uh, orientation against uh, material life. Well, the, I exaggerate a little bit. <laughs> but Adriana manages the money in the family. <laughs> okay. I will speak about three kinds of regulations, but first I want to just identify this. To have a corrupt behavior, you have 
to have at least one motivation in favor and one regulation in favor. My caricature is that when you morally feel doubts, you search people that have made or are making or will make the same kind of irregularity. You search them to have as support. The killers, the professional killers, uh, do not appear isolated. It's like academical tradition or AIDS. It's by contagion and by a transformation. So los sicarios, uh, professional killers, they appear in groups, in organizations. So many times it's culture, sometimes it's morality, sometimes it's law, which makes acceptable what is at the beginning unacceptable. Okay, I will ask you, what do you obey the most? Fear of legal sanction or fear of guilt? or fear of social rejection. Or social recognition, trust, <coughs> reputation, good reputation. Or moral self-gratification, or a sense of duty in face of personal criteria, in face of yourself. Or low admiration, or a sense like hearts about uh, law. Law has to be obeyed. I do not do my service in this way. <laughs> <laughs> but this helps me to, 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 to see that it's, these things are speaking about things that have relationship with our experience. <coughs> So who is governed the most having these six choices by the first group admiration for the law or moral obligation to obey the law? I will write in the protocol. <laughs> Nobody reasons. Fear of legal sanction. About 10. Moral self-gratification. <laughs> Fear of guilt. Social recognition. Fear of social rejection. Okay, interesting. There was someone in each one of the six groups. So the six are perhaps important. And they are complementary. Now, the same questions about the same question about other people, common people, not academically exceptional Colombians in, in big part that study overseas, common citizens. Who obey? Who think that common citizens obey the most? to admiration for law. <laughs> Fear of legal sanction. 
I just fear of guilt, social recognition, fear of social rejection. Well, it's clearly, clearly what is frequent in all the conferences and especially in a workshop that I made in the jail model. Even the prisoners of jail think basically as we have answered. <laughs> the fear of law? <laughs> my conscience. <laughs> so we, we see ourselves as moral subjects. This is a very strong trend. I am a moral subject, but I have to live with human beings that are a legal subject <laughs> and a cultural subject. And if you look by, not by columns, but by files, in the first file you have, I understand by good means, entiendo por las buenas, I obey by good means. <laughs> and in the second, the others, I, I obey by good reasons. But the others, they obey by fear. So there is a strange and strong and robust asymmetry. Ex exceptions with some Indian communities and with the members of a small tank of the Colombian Conservative Party. <laughs> who feel, as anthropologists do, that culture matters. The truth challenge is not what is the stronger. The truth challenge is how to get these three voices to speak in the same di di direction. If the law says do not kill, what happens if your consciousness says you should kill? Or the culture, because my wife is lying with a beautiful man. <laughs> I should react, social pressure, vengeance, and so on. So the, the big issue is how to get morals, law, and culture work in the same direction. Well, not in all things. Etiquette rules, how do you take uh, spoons? Well, it's not a legal or a moral problem. It's a cultural problem. Uh, well, so there are three kinds of norms. Elster thinks that the social norms can be divided in conventions and quasi-moral norms. How, well, obviously you cannot rule a city with concepts. You have to transform these concepts in things that are in everyday life clear. Berstein called these restricted codes and elaborated codes. So we made a card, 350,000 were distributed. We had mimes. And we have uh, stars in the form of a cross on the roads. In each place where in last five years there was a pedestrian killed by a car accident. And we had also a, a TV ad 
of a young man who is uh, saying, la llevo viva, I have it alive, but it's not clear if it's the girl that he has in his hands or alive, the drunken state. Okay, so some other examples of divorce of law, morals, and culture. When you look from that point of view of the three systems, a big part of the city, half of the city, is out of legality. People have to make strange procedures to legalize buildings that were made without respecting the anti-seismic uh, rules. Well, I don't know wh what would be the kind of guilt that I would feel if there is an earthquake in Bogota. And uh, people will say the mayor was responsive. So we arranged schools and hospitals, but the city is not prepared. And if you change a little bit the recurrence period, the engineers know that the reinforcing can be in, in, insufficient for the longer period. Well, that's perhaps a, 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 sh a short way of stating all this story. When do you get clearly mayor? Exactly legally and anthropologically in the moment where you swore, you say, cumpliré la constitución y las leyes. Exactly in that moment. But you do not say cumpliré only. You say cumpliré y, hacer, y haré cumplir. I will obey the law, and I will make the people to obey. So when people asked me, why do you use mimes? I said, I swore to make the law obey, obey. They cannot change culture in more deep direction than that direction that the Constitution shows. So why do you interact in the cultural space, or why do you worry about culture because you have to make the lay to be obeyed. Well, these are examples. In Colombia, there is a funny scene where people ask you if you do want a receipt, a, a receipt. Without receipt, no tax. With receipt, tax. 60%, not. Well, let's speak a little bit about Green Wave. Here is Enrique Peñalosa, Antonio Sanguino. I don't know the, the man that is at, 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 at the right. <laughs> and Lucho, Lucho Garzón. And a, a, a former a former councillor of Bogota that has worked a lot with children, Hilma Jimenez and Lucho. One of the we campaigned together. I will tell first. Well, this is my interpretation. It's it's uh, too too much risky, so I will skip it. But one of the beautiful things is flash mobs, in a wide sense, people getting coordinated, and the, the horizontal structure that make people to 
trust on, in unknown people. This is also a weakness, because if you have a lot of trust accumulated through Facebook and, 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 and Twitter, if, if you have some true criticism inside that's normal, but you suddenly begin to think that the other, that who's speaking is a troll. A troll was an infiltrado, and someone who is working for the counterparty, and he, well, like mole. in... Mole. Mole? Mole. Mole. <laughs> so the, the suspicion that someone who is debating is a mole is a big problem. But being in big numbers re reduces fear of violence. I had worked a little bit about non-violent action. Jen Sharp. Jen Sharp is in these days very important in Egypt and Libya. I know him personally. Uh, when he knew that I was from Lithuanian origin, he, he got very hungry and said, how Lithuanians as Indians get independence through pacific actions, heroic pacific actions, and the day after the independence, they have a common military system. Jen Sharp has wrote a beautiful book saying defense systems based on civilians. To prepare to invasions and so, not, not relying so strongly on traditional military. After 91 constitution, there were too much parties in Colombia. 91 constitution allowed people like me to, to, to be in the electoral competition. I had no the vocation, no the, the patience of a common party membership uh, like I saw, for example, in, in, in France. So we are making, uh, in some stages, a, pol a political reform. Uh, we wrote some common ideas, and we said, let's the people choose what of the three candidates would be the, the best. The first innovation was to make only one campaign. Legally, we could not have only one treasury, and, and we, we had a minimum of differentiation. And we got traveling together. Some mornings in one table, the, the team of one of the candidates saying, they are doing, they, or they have broken that rule, and sometimes suffering just of common envy when Peñalosa comes out of the bus, a, a certain kind of woman and girl. <laughs> and you begin to think this guy has arranged this scene for making me suffer. <laughs> no. <coughs> so we, we, we could declare fears, and, and so we joked a little bit with this kind of, of things. But one of the magistral moments was in Villavicencio. We were walking on the same street, the three candidates, the three pre-candidates, and suddenly Lucho Garzón took the heads of Enrique and mine 
and ask it to a citizen that was closer than you, for, for whom will, will you vote? For whom? So the, the citizen be, began to look at the three faces. He will suffer a little bit, <laughs> perhaps. So in that moment, magically, we were giving back to the citizens the power to decide. It's not a citizen carried uh, almost by force, but willing to vote. A 90-year-old girl told me that during the, the, the election, the weeks between first uh, turn and second turn, she was in the classroom and she saw that the professor was absent. So, so she closed the door and she said, let's vote. <laughs> the pleasure w with which she made that and told that, that some weeks after, it's worth of all the process. That single girl saying that. Another young girl said, I voted for you, Isa Trampa. I made a trick, a tricky I, thing. I, I cheated. I cheated. So I was very, received it badly. Say, why, why? Said, my family voted all for Santos. <laughs> for her, getting apart, was cheating. So, well, and another girl said, when we voted in the school, you, you won. So the night of the big votation, I couldn't understand why you had not been elected. You had been elected in the, the classroom. Okay, some small. And another scene very characteristic of of the Green Wave was the first meeting with the publicity and graphic design experts. They were coming thinking that it was a routine, uh, well, a very important meeting, but it was the first drafts of the publicity agency group. And I said, I'm sorry, but there is a lot of production of creativity in the web. So we should compare what you are trying to propose and what are proposing the, the girls and women and men through the web. And obviously, at the end of the meeting, there were 20 proposals from the web that were worthy of being reproduced. So we choose to produce and distribute the best proposals. and. The idea in the others, if people are making the, 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 themselves the church with their models, we can offer a sort of central model for people through web making the, the, church, the church then. And perhaps for the first time in, in, in history, groups of 100, 200 activists in some place of Barcelona were through computers having the same church, the same church. <laughs> Lapsus calamis, the, the same church. Uh, okay. With a pencil and the constitution, we will get to a better Colombia, not with blood. 
a young man in Cali, a little bit bad-faced, aggressive, said to me, Antanas, Antanas, you can get the best of each of us. It that scene was a mandate. My decision to participate in all the process changed with that scene. Another youngster working with groups that make graffitis was, I asked him to, to say what is the most important idea that you have understood in, in, in your life. Please tell me the moment. And he said, I begin to work in this graffiti project and I learned that with education everything is possible. Well, a little change occurred a day. We used many times as mayor the idea, life is sacred. But in a manifestation in a March, we said, why don't we tell one the other, tu vida es sagrada? May I ask you to... Tu vida es sagrada. To each other. To each other. Okay. So we began to play with the old form of manifestation with a tarima stage and uh, some well people invented uh, slogans one of them was el que no salta es un politiquero <laughs> that person who, do, who does not uh, jump is a bad, a bad guy in politics so imagine serious people finally you jump it <laughs> well this was a little bit costly. There were moments, for example, in Popayán, we were close to a church, and we didn't knew that there was a mess in the same moment as the manifestation. In a certain moment, I, I said, who know how do pacifists, people who work for no violence, how do they make applauses? <laughs> 5,000 people making like that and in that moment of silence the people chanting in the church that, that was a, a good moment uh, but we got caught to, in some sense to the pleasure of being with people who were com convinced. On the night of the first turn, we had a lot lower votation that, than was predicted by the polls. And we decided in small committee that the ma main meaning of the discourse should be to rescue all the people who voted for us, a sort of internal celebration. And it was probably the last opportunity to, to speak not to the convinced, but to speak to the other big group of citizens who were voting in that day for the other. 
and I had easily 10 or 15 minutes of television, or 20 if the discourse was well constructed. So, well, it's very difficult to analyze what were the biggest mistakes. I would declare it myself, and this is in these days used against me, against me that I was the chief of the department of self goals uh, in football. Own, own goals. Own goals. Own, own goals. So, well, in, in some moment I said I am so pretentious that I will make some goals in the right di direction that I can have the looks of having. Okay. Henry Murrain is by complete hazard in this photo. He is preoccupied, but he has been one of the best students. Sometimes I ask him to make the conferences in my place. And he begins always with a story about our re 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 relationship. He says, Henry, Henry says, Antanas has said that if someone as teacher does not form a better specialist or a better person than himself, he's not a good teacher. So Henry is one of, and when he makes his conference at the end, he asks people, do you feel that this story is helpful? This is another, this is a summary, this is a summary. That was very moving, not only for you, but also for us. Thank you. Um, we have time for a few questions, uh, maybe three or four. Um, so, gentlemen with the hand there. Anyway, you. Yeah. Oh, there's a roving microphone. Can you please introduce yourselves briefly? Hello. Oh, yeah. My name is uh, Juan Parra from Medellin, Colombia. Um, First of all, I would, I would like to thank Antanas for kind of light the fire of so many people outside Colombia um, last year for the politics and stuff. Um, my question is um, about ethics and this stuff. Let's, let's imagine that um, person like you 
it's a, it's a new president in Colombia in eight years or stuff like that, with great ideas of change, change, changing the people, um, the way people think and behave to each other. There's no way I think um, a person like you become a president because they all get, get shot. If we see Galan, Gaitan, you weren't killed, of course, but there were a lot of people trying to shoot at, at you, uh, to you, kind of in a symbolic way. Someone else uh, won the, the president, the presidency. Let's assume that a person like you in eight years or eight, uh, ten years get the presidency of Colombia. So that's, that's the first step. There's a good president, I think, uh, to teach people how to behave and stuff. So we're ready to change, for a change. So we need good education, as you well explained. And we actually are seeing these very good, well, very well-educated people, like Los Nule, for instance. I mean, his thesis. Can you can you get down to the question, brother? We don't want well, we don't have time for a speech, right, so okay, we, um, there's plenty of people wanting yeah, to ask questions. Sorry, sorry. Um, there's very good educated people that are messing the country. Uh, with all your explanations, how much time do we need, you know, to tackle all these well-educated people to become a good country, basically? Okay, my experience is that in two years and a half in Bogota, some things had changed. Changes a lot by small steps, but a small step in one behavior can help to quicken the evolution in another behavior. Uh, my life has been respected. When FARC menaced me, I had a bulletproof jacket with a hole in form of earth. Well, I was amazed also because I had uh, read a paper that said that a common uh, knife, a common knife, could traverse an anti-bullet jacket. Well, the the bullet turns a rod. That's why it does not penetrate a tissue that a scissor or, well, but sometimes you get understood over the border. Well, when I won elections, at least in one of the FARC places where there were kidnapped people, there was the most strange celebration. And Kidnapping is absolutely horrible. And in that group, I was told of this by a military, that, uh, a, a, more precisely a police member that was there in that space. So the day of the elections, FARC members, some members of FARC and some of the kidnapped people by them were celebrating one of my victories for being mayor of, of Bogota. Obviously, I have been very active in censorship of methods like those of 
FARC. And I participated with a lot of enthusiasm in 4 February 2008, big manifestation against FARC. So I thought that Ingrid Betancourt or myself, we were so clearly anti-system that FARC would respect us or our lives or our freedom. So to some extent, life has been respected, but uh, their model of change is horribly different from ours. So I do not see an easy way of having FARC uh, self-regulating and, and, and so on. And during the campaign, this, this well, I worked a lot with Colombian police the in Colombian institution that the best understands the approach of Cultura Ciudadana is Colombian police. And sometimes we have discussions about some moments where police has to act with some level of, of uh, aggressivity, of black uniforms. Well, my dream is on, on July, July 20, on the national celebration, to have a mime group with the, those that were in Vietnam. And the, well, war is in part a ghostly theater. So one of my invitations is let's assume it as, as what it is in, this, in its deepest truth. So, I think that I am a happy sur sur survivant, <laughs> and um, well, someday things will change more more quickly. I want one of the things is clientelismo, patronage versus meritocracy, and I understand that a lot of Colombians would have a better life if things function by meritocracy. Many Colombians, like perhaps most of you, go to, other, to another country and when they want to get back in Colombia, they do not appreciate too much the rules of competition in Colombia. This can be better, but I, I thought that my victories on patronage were sufficiently clear that things will not return back in Bogota. And clearly it returned back. It, the clientelist relationship, the politician, the contractist, it's... Uh, so we have... Sometimes we have to do the same job two times or three times. In this moment, in some aspects, we are worse than in 94. We were in... in, in in Bogota. Uh, one, the biggest newspaper in Bogota once had an ed editorial saying uh, that I was making fundamentalismo anticlientelista. And it was a sort of Khomeini of the. Ant <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, not. Uh, so, Well, the, the closest to being killed was a night where I was drinking with an armed 
person who was telling how he tortured, uh, explaining me his practices of torture. The year I left the National University Presidency, this guy invited me for, for some hours of, so at the end I, I, I opened my shirt, my camisa, my shirt, and uh, I said, you can uh, shoot, me. shoot, but until the last moment, I will conserve my ideas in my head, and I suspect that you want to convince me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Yes. yes. Okay, one question. Uh, Blanca. Blanca. Okay. Uh, hello, uh, my name is Hector Castro. I am from Cali, Colombia. Mm, I wanted to ask you what could be a strategy for those thousands of Colombians, skilled Colombians, high-skilled Colombians, academics, researchers, professors that live overseas uh, to appeal to their interests, emotions, reasons, and invite them to get back to the country and help us create a better place to live. Yes. Well, there is a, a, a classic in, in right philosophy, in Beccaria, who has the chapter of uh, suicide and in, integrated with the chapter about exilio, about uh, exile. He says, who the, the person who is suicides makes a big loss for the, so, so, the society. The society has a lot of efforts for qualify you and you subtract. You do not give the fruits that the society expects. But that person who, who makes exile puts all that accumulated capacity to the service of another society. So I... I'm not listening. <laughs> I disagree, but yes. I sorry. No, but Beccaria perhaps exaggerates. We have a lot today of conviction about a sort of right to mobility, to, to know and to enjoy other societies. Kant was speaking about the right to go at least, at, at most, automatically six months in each country. Derecho de hospitalidad hospitality, right? Uh, well, I cannot speak about a diaspora because Colombians, we do not characterize perhaps as very tightly, religiously integrated. Well, in my life, I, it, it, there is a, a small scene with, uh, well, with a former candidate to presidents in Colombia, Serpa, Horacio Serpa. Uh, after I had thrown in the face him two or three glasses of water, we met in the most strange meeting in Harvard, in a classroom like this. The Colombians were making la novena. And we had a small discussions. I said, if the day I put you water on your face. You ask it people very gently, what happens with Antanas? Or he addressed it to me, Antanas, uh, take it with more calm. <laughs> I said, 
perhaps you would had won the elections. And he very kindly replies, the next time, please advert me. <laughs> um, here, sorry, yellow in the purple, uh, lady in the purple top. Uh, thank you, Blanca Huertas, Colombiana. Um, my question is, um, I saw the electoral process here in London and I went to Colombia also during the elections and I noticed you move, you move a massive wave of youngsters and very young people, 30s, but still the old people is reluctant. So what's your strategy to convince, to get the trust again in much older generations, which are one of the more important voters in our country? Well. <coughs> When I travel in Colombia, women by far search more photographs with me. <laughs> but in the polls, they vote for other candidates. Uh, I do not understand, well, if I was a woman, I, I would work a lot on a sort of guilt provocating process with men. I would say we women get pregnant. For some months it is usually a little source of difficulties. And to have from you a human being we spend we, the women, we spend thousands of hours because people do not come to life speaking or respecting others. So each violence act that normally is from a man against another man is the destruction of life, of feminine work. Obviously, some men help to, to, to rise the the children. But I, I don't know if by this approach I stress maternity and some uh, traditional ad, 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 attributes of w women. But I feel strangely that women should understand a lot better the idea of tu vida sagrada. It's closer to, it's too it's not simple work. You cannot imagine a society that could pay uh, professionals to work with children. Well, in, in, in Soviet Union, they tried in a certain moment to interrupt the family model in small scale. And it, 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 it doesn't work. So perhaps I, I am too timid, and I do not, well, I should say on on even days or on odd days, I'm a woman and on others and, and dress and, and, and speak. Well, the gender perspective is important. Well, I do not have a sophisticated qualifica academical qualification. And I have had some close uh, team members that are gender preparate. But at this stage, I have not found the way of addressing 
my better partners. Well, if the life is sacred, the work, the non-visible work of women is strongly associated to the possibility of, 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 of life. Uh, so the, the do not kill would be transformed in the work of women is sacred. But that's a little bit strange. But I should be, well, I do not make strategical planning uh, as usual. Uh, when I study at Habermas, I like it a lot, communicative action. And for me, being involved in strategic action is difficult because strategy is revealed by, by <laughs> many times by my face. In the, in the boards, there is a style of being a member of a, of, of a board, of being completely uh, impermeable and uh, only say your idea when you ha have the turn. But I'm the kind of man that's it. <laughs> so uh, my, well, I, I like it a lot uh, reading the strategy of conflict because of one simple idea is is the the substitution of evaluation of possibilities instead of real people killed so well and and sorry another idea women are a lot more effective than men generating guilt <laughs> Shaming is more masculine, and much of the violence that has been studied is attributed to shaming. Well, when you feel guilt, it's a small part of you that is bad. You did something punctual, and you can reparar, you can get things better. Uh, when you make someone feel shame, it's a devaluation of the whole human being. So hatred is a lot closer to uh, humiliation, to shame, and to shame feeling. Uh, yes, well, it's strange. I have had teams, teams conformed by women. In, in majority, 70%. But uh, many of these women do not want to be seen as women. My mother was invited to an art exhibition of feminine art. And she said, I don't, do not want to go. So we constructed together her exhibit. It was a stamp, a co-stamp, Mujer. On a, and she got about 100 pieces of cuero, of suela, Le leather. leather, pieces of leather saying woman. And at the entry of the gallery, she was saying to, to, the, to the men, 
do you want this? Yes, of course, I want this. But you will have to put it here. And many very progressive colleagues didn't accept to carry for some hour or two the, the identification. Uh, yeah. Should we go to I, I, well. One more? Okay, well, um, the gentleman here in, in blue. Blue shirt. One, last uh, one, I'm afraid. <coughs> um, my name is Fabio, I'm from Bogota. <coughs> uh, my question is related to education. Uh, uh, if I'm right, uh, you won the elections in Europe, so most of the Colombians living in Europe vote for you. And that made me think, yeah, probably was the opportunity to see Colombia from outside, or probably education, because we came to Europe to get better, or to continue the education process. So my question is, what, what about those in Colombia that are deprived from education? Is a correlation between understanding your philosophy, your new approach, your innovati innovative ideas of new way of running Colombia that are uh, no fitting in that uneducated Colombians? Thank you. Well, in the last years, well, from this, in the first election, I'm not sure but my impression is that there was equilibria between different stratos, between the different groups. Poor people were interested. Well, the city was in so bad situation that people wanted someone to at least enjoy uh, as a source of surprise. And, but in the second election as mayor and in the presidential election, I had good uh, b backing in, in, in high class, or in higher class, or higher middle class people. Uh, I think that part of the society accepts to play with cultural conventions. And part of society, people elder and more po popular class see what I do to some extent as a sort of sacrileges. In fact, I have spoke many times about my work as, uh, as someone who makes small sacri sacrileges for the sake of the sacred. Well, I put a, a small example. I was educated in a French high school and my schoolmates were ridiculizing were joking about the mess and the flag elevation. And when I had the turn to speak, to, to make a speech on, on that first Friday, I just insulted the flag. So people were completely surprised and silent. And then I insulted the people because they had allowed me to insult the flag. <laughs> So, in that case, I didn't pay any price. But normally, you pay a price. So, uh, yes, well, the, 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 the Europe of the 70s influenced me to some extent. 
and uh, those who know the French publications, uh, I imagine they know Charlie Hebdo. Charlie Hebdo is black humor. When President de Gaulle passed away, they had only one sentence. Bal tragique à Colombie les deux églises, bilan un mort. <laughs> Six months closed. But they had also some nice things. Pompidou, the last words, please, a clinics. It's horrible. <laughs> I, with, with my first wife, I burned my collection of Charlie Hebdo. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, a little bit the style of, of Woody Allen. I like it a lot. You're fascinated by a woman. You are close to her, and suddenly you are looking from the corner cr cr critically. So, yes, per per perhaps we are a little bit playful for some people who expect that investidura, that the role, it has the obligation of fulfilling it 100%. Uh, yes, well, when I ma married in a circus, uh, well, I had a good argument to say, happy those who can marry in churches. <laughs> It's better a church than a circus. <laughs> but I had made a first marriage by church. And it was not simple to annulate. It's a privilege. <laughs> One year and a half or two years of... Well, when I think about myself at 20 years, I was a little bit anarchist, not violent. I... I was resented with state uh, complicated things, paperwork. Uh, you have to go and feel, this night I will feel again a, a paper for a visa. And I have it fake, faxed, but the employee of the uh, X embassy says me to, to put it again originally. So, um, but when I come back from Europe to Colombia, I felt that Colombian state is too weak. It's unjust to fight against it. Perhaps my daughters or my, or the daughters of my daughters would, will be anarchists in, in, in peaceful sense. But to get to that moment, we have to build state in Colombia. It, it's, the law, the interiorization of law, the voluntary respect of law is it's purity. 100 of years later, well, if I had to live in Canada or in the States or, or in France, I would feel too much cultural control. But it's better cultural control than, than violence and menacing and kidnapping and Well, thank you. Okay.
Thank you. Just, just a, a few words to thank Santiago Pardo and the Colombia, LSE Colombian Society for hosting Antanas. And I think they deserve an applause. A protocol detail, I omitted to greet the ambassador of <laughs> Colombia. Thank you for being here. For many years, he has wrote a lot of articles helping Colombians to be optimistic, helping to look to the good side of the things. So I feel Colombia very, very well represented here. I agree.